What is happening, everyone? Happy UFC pay-per-view fight week. I absolutely love when we start a podcast with that exact phrase. Happy UFC pay-per-view fight week. Along with Will Brewer, I am Colby Daniels. Will, my friend, pay-per-view fight week. How you feeling, man? Uh, I'm, I'm feeling like I need to issue an apology to you, to uh, everyone out there for uh, a certain level of BS that came out of my mouth the last time we did a podcast. <laughs> and um, I hate to do this on right on the eve of, you know, not the eve, but, you know, on, on fight week. But uh, I listened back to our podcast from last week and uh, you're right. What I said last week was a was a load of BS. I said <laughs> that I was as excited for Henry Cejudo and Aljamain Sterling that I was when Francis Ngannou and Cyril Gon fought. So I'm I'm here to tell you, I apologize. I was wrong, and that level of BS um, won't come out of my mouth again. Now I will very say, nice. very nice. I will say this though. I will say that. The card as a whole, I am very excited for, and I do think it's better than 270. But Aljo and Henry versus Francis and Cyril, it's no contest. No contest. Yeah, I think I was, try, I was trying to get my point across about uh, 288, at least being better than 270, but I think I misspoke. So my apologies. But other than that, yeah. Had to clear that up. Had to clear my conscience. I'm doing great. I'm excited for the fights. Um, we, we've had some fight week uh, mishaps, uh, but I'm still, all in all, as the card as a whole, I'm very excited for it. I still maintain what I said a, a week ago. I, I am still very much on the side of UFC 270 over this UFC 288 card. And primarily because I feel like the Gon and Ganu matchup just was so much bigger than any fight on this card that it, it it makes up for the gap of maybe the earlier fights on the main card. But all in all, um, you know, I, I think the the bottom line is these are two of the weaker pay-per-view cards that we've had in that in that entire uh, time period. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, especially just like we said last week after four bangers of pay-per-views that we had back to back to back to back. And and now, you know, you got this one and it's it's not bad. I, you know, I may need to rethink my whole argument of 288 versus 270 just because, you know, you got the Bryce Mitchell and Evloev fight that fell through. So right. that was one of the big reasons that I thought 288 was better. So now I'm kind of leaning on, you know, is the strength of Aljo and Cejudo plus Gilbert and Bilal, is that more... Does that do those two combined have you more excited than Francis Ngannou and Cyril Gan? I don't think so. So <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like two seventy, the card wasn't great, but the main event and the excitement level for that main event was so massive that like you know the rest of the fight it makes up for a lot when you compare it to a card like two eighty eight. Now most cards. From top to bottom, like it, it's just like, yeah, no. But this is, I mean, this, I think in terms of like the main events in the UFC that we've had over the last, I, I mean, I don't know, like 
I like the Aljo Cejudo fight. Let me throw that out there first. In terms of like my excitement level for this main event versus about any main event we've had for a while now, though, I think this is probably toward the lower end. And that's not a get. That's again, like you just said, that's not a knock against Aljo and Cejudo. That's more just look at what we've had recently in our main events. I mean, Usman, Leon, right? Pajeda, Israel Adesanya, Volk, and and Islam. I mean, we've had absolute blockbusters. John Jones making his heavyweight debut. We've had nothing but like iconic, like sport defining type of fights. And so I, I think like this is also probably a victim of falling at the tail end of that stretch. I've got a question. Okay. Because, you know, you called me an encyclopedia the other day, but this one isn't really that far removed. So. Are you more excited for Aljo and Cejudo than you were for Glover Teixeira, Jamal Hill? No. Okay. I was more excited for Glover and Jamal Hill. Okay. Okay. Stay with me. Now, were you more excited for Aljo and Cejudo or were you more excited for Jan Blahovic versus Mago Menankalaya? <laughs> that's a tough one that's a tough one now if it hadn't stayed with the original main event of Jan and Glover right right I'm sure that would have you know easily but you know you know that card had a lot of stuff happen to it and I unfortunately had to go had to go to I'll say Aljo Cejudo in that but, scenario. So that, but, but yeah, they, they were trying to just salvage that that yeah, other situation, that, right? That was probably the only one out of, you know, months and months. Like, you know, that's probably the only one that Aljo and Cejudo is probably better than. And that's just because, you know, normally when, when they have pay-per-views, they're going to go with the, the top stars that they can get. Right. And I, I, I'm sure they feel like Henry's a part of that because Aljo's normally been co-main event. You know, this is his first main event ever. He's been champion for two years now, and this is his first main event. Not even he hasn't even main event in a fight night, which I thought was kind of surprising. You think a guy who's been around the top of the bandwagon division as long as Aljo has would have main evented um, a fight night at least, but this is his first main event. I was That's very surprised. Insane. Yeah, so. Um, I, I understand, you know, the, the matchup for, I mean, for me, I'm very excited about the matchup. I may have gotten a little, uh, carried away last week, but I'm very, <laughs> I'm very excited for the matchup. But, yeah. um, in terms of the main events that we've had that we're, nor that we're used to seeing, this is definitely one that's on the lower end. This is like what people do with like when they're debating like LeBron or Jordan, right? Like you can, you can like pick Jordan, but that doesn't mean that LeBron has to suck in the argument, right? Like, I'm not saying that. Aljo and Cejudo suck. I just think in comparison, it falls short to, to almost every main event we've had for a while now. And then it's not even, I think, along with that, lifted up by a big-time fight card that precedes it. So that's that's probably where my, my standpoint comes from. I, I'm still going to watch. I'm still going to be excited. There are fights on this card that I'm very excited about. There are fighters on this fight card that I, I absolutely love watching, but... That's that's my point. I think just in comparison, um, Aljo and Cejudo falls well short of, I think, a lot of the other matchups. 
although I am very excited about it. And then they're also not supported by a blockbuster type of main card. Yeah, that and and that's all it is. And you know, I, yeah, I was pretty disgusted with myself. Not not overly disgusted, but I was like, <laughs> man, what am I thinking? Like I was over the hill type of excited for Francis and Surreal. Like that for a heavyweight matchup. And then we coming off of, you know, seeing Stipe in DC for three years, and then yeah. you finally get a different type of heavyweight fight. And then just how Surreal had looked unhittable, and Francis is just the champ now, and his power is lethal. I can't believe I went that way. But yeah. I was just trying to, you know, say, like, hey, Al Jones Huda, I'm pretty excited for, I but that. I got here. Yeah. <laughs> I, look, I just know you well enough to know that you were just completely full of shit in that situation. I was like, yeah. this dude was like, this dude was like singing yeah. from the mountaintops for Nganu <laughs> Gone, so... Yeah, yeah, you you called that out immediately. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> you're my guy, man. Like I, you're my guy. I got I I know you well enough to know. Like, I think he's he might just be a little confused. I don't. Maybe he hit his head this morning and and he's a little foggy. I don't know. But uh, no, this it is a fun fight card. I I haven't even dug into the um, the uh, embedded's embedded's yet, which I I typically don't. I I I do this with television shows too. I'm a binge watcher. I, I will wait till a season ends and you get every episode of a season all at once before I like I, I watch it all. I'm that way with embeddeds. I usually start them on on like Thursday. Uh, so I haven't even started watching the embeddeds yet. But like that is, I think, a big part of especially in a fight week, like giving you that extra bit of excitement level. Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and that's what that's what they're there for. The countdowns, right. the embedded, you know, the media day press conferences and all that stuff. You know, that's that's definitely what it's for. Um, this is another thing I kind of wanted to bring up. And this is kind this is like way out of left field. This doesn't even have to do with MMA. I haven't even been um, really locked into uh, a fight we like I normally would because I started binge watching Breaking Bad. Have you seen that show? Oh, oh, dude. Yes. Now, I, yes. Now, I, look, I, I can't believe it's taken me this long to watch this show, but I, I've I've seen on Twitter a lot of people talking about the greatest shows they've ever seen, and Breaking Bad was on a lot of these shows, and thankfully it was it just happened to be on Netflix. Bro, when I tell you I started this show and I have not been able to stop watching, it, it's it's just been crazy. I'm on I'm on season three, and I, I don't think I've been watching this show for more than four or five days. It, it's it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It is a crazy show. I need to get locked into fight week before all of this just completely. But like the podcast I normally listen to, I don't listen to uh, all the shows. It's just been Breaking Bad, Breaking Bad, Breaking Bad. That show is awesome. That's what but it anyway. does. That's what it does. So yeah. I, I never watched it like in real time. I I ended up starting it like way after it had ended. And at that point in time, I was doing my radio gig was 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Like two hours. That's it. That was all all day long. All I did was a two hour show from nine a.m. to so like I'm done for the day before noon, right? So I have nothing to do all day long. And this was I, I think like I think basketball season had just ended, so it's kind of like the dog days of sports anyway. There's not a lot happening, and somebody's like, "You need to watch Breaking Bad." So I started it, and I'm not kidding when I tell you like I finished it in less than two weeks. Like the entire thing in less than two weeks because I would literally get up 
go do my two hour radio show, come home. And then I would binge watch it until I went to sleep. Yeah. Like that night, like I would just watch all the entire afternoons and then I'd go to bed and do the same thing, do my show, come home and be home by noon. And then from like noon to midnight or whatever, I would just watch Breaking Bad all day long. So yeah, I, I totally get it because for like, I don't even remember 10 days or whatever it was that it took me to finish the whole thing. Like that was all I did. I was so geeked out on it. Yeah. So this is how I know I'm really locked into a show. Like I'm telling myself, okay, this is the last episode you're going to watch and then you're going to do something else. But the ending of these episodes are all so bomb. I'm like, okay, one more wouldn't hurt. Uh, uh, another one after this wouldn't hurt. So yeah. um, my work days are, are pretty long. So like I'm able to uh, binge watch, you know, uh, a lot of these episodes. And I, and I tell you, like, I try to tell myself at 12 o'clock, all right, this is your last one that you're going to watch. And it, <laughs> it never fails. I never stop watching it. It's 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 a great show. I did not think I was going to like it as much as I do, but it's it's yeah. awesome. It is awesome. No doubt. So, uh, yeah, for anybody out there that has not seen it, I thought I was like the only person on Earth at that point that hadn't seen it because everybody was still like raving about it. And finally, I was like, all right, you know, I've got nothing to do. But, yeah, I was uh, I, I get it, man. I totally get yeah. what you're, where you're coming from. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's hit a few uh, news items before we talk about uh, Ricky Simone and, and Song Yudong and then uh, take a peek at this UFC 288 card. Um, first and foremost, we kind of have talked about this on the podcast for a while, like the future of the heavyweight division. We have both, I think, been in agreement every step of the way that the path forward looks like John Jones versus Stipe Miocic, and whichever way that goes most likely they both retire. Stipe more likely to fight again than John would be in that scenario. And the only way John would fight again after Stipe would be a super fight in which Francis Ngannou was brought back to the UFC and both of those guys make more money than they know what to do with. John Jones has now basically confirmed that that is the case. <laughs> yeah, I mean, watching John Jones for as long as I've watched him, I mean, his this heavyweight plan that he's had um it's surprising that he that it's worked out this way uh but like let's go back to march of 2021 when stipe fought francis and then you know dana said john jones is going to fight the winner i know we talked on that episode or whichever episode it was that john jones was not going to fight francis john jones has been wanting to fight stipe for six seven years and the fact the fact that, that hasn't happened is crazy but um when francis won i was like john's not gonna fight him like it's just you know when when it was stipe he was like you guys want to see me you know beat the greatest heavyweight of all time and then as francis becomes champion he's like well show me the money and i'm like okay <laughs> that's right that's a that's a that's a complete different tone you know what i'm saying so um yeah you know, for to for, to fight Francis, the danger there, he has to get a, a a buttload of money. And if you notice, as soon as Francis was out of the UFC, John Jones was immediately <laughs> immediately in a in a title fight. It was on T-Mobile Arena on accident. Uh, John Jones is going to fight Cyril Gaon as soon as Francis was gone well, and stripped of the title. I love John Jones; it's my favorite fighter of all time. But like. I know the guy. I like I, I kind of yeah. know how, how he moves a little bit. So uh yeah. Um I you know, 
I knew that Frank, that Stipe was his was his clear route. Now he had to fight somebody other than Francis, other than Stipe, and then he fought Srilgan. And I know that he, that John saw like I just have to get past this guy striking. I had to take this guy down. He doesn't know what he's doing on the ground, and that got John out of bed to fight Surreal. But we know, especially after watching John Jones fight Dominic Reyes, seeing him fight Tiago Santos. And how he performed in those fights, that the Sergei Pavlovich side of this, there is zero percent chance that John Jones is going to risk his legacy right. to fight Sergei Pavlovich. Um, it's it's Stipe, and then you have to throw a shit ton of money at him for him to fight Francis. If that if Francis is off the table, I know that John will go into MSG, fight Stipe, and be completely fine with walking away. The, the rest of these heavyweights, Sergey, Tom Aspinall, Tai Tuivasa, all the Jalton Almeida, they do nothing for John. The only person, the only two that does anything for John at this point is Stipe and Francis. Yeah, former champions, right? Like guys that are viewed as as uh, I think trophies in terms of what your resume looks like and and what the legacy is going to be ultimately. And for a guy that's already considered by most to be the goat of the sport, why would you ever risk that for a guy like Pavlovich? No, no disrespect to Pavlovich in terms of like how good he is, but like all the risk is on John's side there. Maybe he wins, but if he wins, like, is it really a big deal? Because it's, I mean, it's not like one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. And there's a legit chance at being knocked out if that guy connects. Right. Whereas, with Stipe and Francis, like the 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 threat is still there to lose, but what you gain in terms of your legacy is monumental, and it's not there with a guy like Pavlovich or uh, you know Tom Aspinall or or any of the other names in the heavyweight division. Yeah, and and that's all it is. And John sees a clear route to victory uh, fighting against Stipe. Like he sees a guy who's probably over the hill who hasn't fought in two years who's kind of slow. He's got power. He's, he's well-rounded and everything, but after taking so much time off, like how, how active has Stipe been, you know, in the, in the gym? Like we know he's a, he's a full-time firefighter. Like how often is Stipe training these days in terms of MMA? But uh, yeah, John sees a clear out to victory there. And then if he, if he fights Francis, then I'll know that the UFC broke the bank and that he's getting, Conor McGregor type numbers yeah. in terms of pay and that he he'll be completely fine with getting knocked out with that much money that he's about to uh, walk away with. So, um, yeah, these other guys, they just don't do anything for him. Like, and those, those guys, Sergey, Tom Aspinall, those guys, they're not going to pay John Jones, Francis and Ganu type of money uh to fight those guys so like the the reward is doesn't outweigh the risk by any means and i don't and you have to pay francis as well right it's not like francis is going to do the fight for free either yeah and and he and i don't know if you saw all this stuff about what francis next move potentially will be but uh i heard he turned down 20 million from one championship now um one has you know they've kind of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Bended the truth in a lot of matters over the years. So I don't know how much you want to believe that, but right. um, you know, Francis has this side of the story that he hasn't came out with yet. But um, 
it seems like Francis is uh, close to a deal uh, that's going to allow him to to fight in MMA and do boxing. Um, it looks like it's going to be the PFL or Bellator. I don't know for sure, but that's kind of what I'm hearing. So, yeah, Francis for Francis to come back to the UFC, especially after uh, his endeavors with what, what he's doing now, it's going to take uh, a tremendous amount of money, to say the least. So if Francis and John Jones fight, in terms of what the, both of them are getting paid, that's probably going to be the, the highest paid fight <laughs> in yeah. MMA history. Without question, without question. Uh, if I'm Francis, by the way, I am not stepping foot inside of an MMA match until I ink a boxing deal. Yeah, you only that, lose in that scenario, point. right? Like there is nothing yeah. to gain from that. You're only potentially going to lose value of what what the even the fights that you get in boxing. Yeah. If that is your end game, do not fight another MMA match. <laughs> yeah, he he has to like. I think it's okay if he signs with another MMA promotion, but his next combat match fight or whatever it has to be in boxing and it has to be against a big name where you where he goes out there and just has a a great performance and then he can come back to the mma be a big star knock out whoever he fights in and then you know maybe at that at that point we'll finally get you know the ufc and francis being like okay I need you. You need me. Yeah. We've got John Jones over here. We can do something here. But like, um, it's it's kind of tough to see where Francis uh, is doing at the moment. But you know, maybe he knows something we that we don't know. It's crazy that he's been that he's been at this for so long, and there's there's no like end game. But it seems like we're close to finding out what that next move will be. Yeah. Imagine like, and this is no disrespect to PFL. I enjoy watching PFL. But imagine if France, Francis, like, it, it just takes one, right? Imagine if he just got caught. Just yeah. gets caught with one shot in PFL. Oh. It's all gone, right? Everything. Yeah. It's all gone. Could you, could you imagine what Dana White would say the next time he is in front of the media? Like, it... Oh, yeah. It would be it would, it would be disgusting. Like, we, we, we see the things that Dana already says. Like, he's already said Francis is never stepping, stepping foot in here again and all this type stuff, but... Just imagine how bad it would be if, like, he's proven to be not right, but he's proven that to make the the right move and not, yeah. you know, giving Francis the money that he wants. I mean, I I think it would be unbearable for me. But even if even if like like it again, it doesn't even have to mean that Francis isn't dominant. Like, it just takes one shot though. Like, you know, this is a sport where Lee, right Usman is dominating Leon, and Leon catches one shot, and like that's the end of Usman, right? Like crazy. Like that, that could happen to, to, to Francis. And then all the boxing hopes are gone. You're, you're not booking a big time boxing match. Any shot that you ever thought you had at getting a John Jones fight at that point is completely gone. John's never taking that fight ever. Right. You've lost the credibility that, that you have, which is that John would get that, that trophy, if you will, on the resume. And it's no longer a trophy if you get knocked out in PFL. So yeah, um, I hope that Francis uh, makes the right moves and, and ultimately gets his big payday. But, man, that would be an absolute bummer. Uh, and look, the chances are he w- he would win whatever fight he was in. Just I, would you really want to risk that? Uh, that? That's a lot to put on the line, potentially, for, you know, potentially somebody getting lucky with a shot. Yikes. Um, all right, let's speaking you of... Know, go ahead. 
And I was just going to say, Francis has done this before, put everything on the line. Like, he did that with Cyril Gaon and ended up coming out on top. So yeah. if there's anybody who could do, who could risk everything and come out on top, Francis is a guy that you put your money on. The only thing is, like, if he were to lose in the UFC, like, it's okay. It's the UFC. It's Cyril Gaon who was undefeated at the time. Yeah. But, like, if it's PFL... And it's looked at PFL Bellator, who in a lot of people, not mine, but in a lot of people's minds, look is looked at as the minor leagues. It would be it would be damaging to the yeah. point of no return. That's right. And also, let's not. There was a big payday for him to beat Cyril Gon. Like, what do you get for winning in the PFL? I mean, like if you like. You're, the boxing options are still there. You don't earn any new options, right? Like it, it, I'm just saying what you gain from getting back in a, an MMA fight in the PFL is virtually nothing compared to losing everything. If you were to get caught, like he had everything to gain in the Francis Ga- or in the gone matchup. Uh, so yeah. Um, it sounds like Michael Chandler's a little bit nervous that this Conor McGregor fight may not happen to the point that I don't know if you saw this. He made the statement today that, he thinks it would be a a big time black eye on Conor McGregor's legacy if he were to pull out of the fight. Does that sound like a guy that might be nervous about uh, Conor potentially not not ending up on the other side of him in the octagon? Yeah, um, and I don't blame him because you know from what I've seen out of Conor, it doesn't seem like Conor is anywhere close to fighting Michael Chandler. Um, we saw him uh, at the bare knuckle event and we saw him downing uh, a beer, what it looked like. I saw him downing a beer and we saw him get into the ring with Mike Perry, who had an excellent performance over uh, Luke Rockhold. Uh, Luke Rockhold's teeth looked awful. Um, his mouth looked awful. Um, that's what bare knuckle is. So he called out Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor gets in the ring. But yeah, it seems like since they finished filming Tough, that Conor McGregor's kind of gone off and done his like done his own thing. Like it's it seems like the the desire of for for Conor himself to get back to, into the octagon uh, isn't there like we like we thought it was. Like he said it was when when Tough was being filmed. Um, it seemed like he was locked in, and and now it just seems like it, it's taken a left turn. Um, we don't really know the whole USADA thing yet. Like, if, if he's in the testing pool, if he's out, if he if he's getting uh, an exemption, like, there's still so many questions. And like now, you look at the you look at the uh, rest of the uh, of the year for the UFC. May's booked, June's booked, July's booked, um, August and September. There, those are those are open. We know October is Abu Dhabi is probably going to be Islam. MSG is going to be uh, John Jones and then, you know, December. So the options for, for Connor and Chandler to fight are starting to get really slim. Now, I, I do know that the, the target date was September, but seeing how Connor McGregor is right now, it doesn't look like that's in his sights. I kind of wonder if he's just cooled on the idea overall of fighting Michael Chandler. And again, like we just talked about with John Jones, like, does he think Michael Chandler does it for him? Is there more risk than reward here? 
And is he, I mean, I don't, I don't know how many more times we're going to see Conor McGregor in the octagon. I don't think it's that many, but in terms of how many he has left, does he think Michael Chandler is a big enough name to get one of those few fights or does he save those for, I mean, we've talked about the possibility of, of another Nate fight eventually the possibility of a, a Masvidal matchup, like is, is now that this is really setting in, is Michael Chandler the name that you're going to use one of those, you know, final few times you're getting in the octagon on? I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's cooled on that idea. I, you know, I'm not going to say he's cooled on the idea of MMA in general, but it, I mean, it almost kind of seems that way. It, it kind of seems like he's more like you saw him after the, the Garcia tank fight. Yeah. He's in Garcia's um, locker room. And did you see the excitement on his face? How fast he was talking? Just like it seemed like he was so happy and so fulfilled having just watched that and then going back there to talk about what he saw to, to Ryan Garcia. He was so locked in, so engaged. He's in bare knuckle, and I don't know if you saw this, but two of his former opponents, Eddie Alvarez and Chad Mendez, were fighting, and Connor's basically shouting in the front row to Eddie, uppercut, uppercut, and Eddie throws an uppercut, lands it, points at Connor like, thanks. So it seems like Connor is like kind of seeing what these options are outside of the UFC, outside of MMA. It's been reported that he's got two fights left on his deal. Yeah. I don't know, man. I think we're, I remember you said, you know, Jake Paul. I remember you said uh, Masvidal uh, and Connor, but I, 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 I'm, uh, this, this world outside of MMA is looking very intriguing to Connor. Yeah. I, I, I definitely think we're going to see him box again. And I definitely think we'll see him box like a Jake Paul. Um, someone that, you know, isn't like, like where Conor McGregor feels like from a skill standpoint, he's not completely outmatched, um, and a giant payday, right? It's the best of both worlds. So, but in terms of MMA, yeah, I just, I don't think he's done. I just think he's realistically looking at how many times he wants to do this. And maybe Michael Chandler isn't, uh, somebody that he wants to, to use one of those, uh, one of those walks for. Michael Chandler's a a, a bad dude and uh, a a fan favorite, but like he's lost a couple, right? He's he's like I I don't know. We'll see. He he's got he's got to do something to get his. I'm not gonna say get his respect back because people respect him, but he's got to get people talking about him in that positive light. Like Conor McGregor can go do this. Conor McGregor can go do that. Like yeah, there's. Michael Chandler is such a perfect opponent for him. I think he just, I think he has to go out there, book this Michael Chandler fight, knock out Michael Chandler. And then, I mean, your options are already substantial. They're endless, but imagine what they would look like if you go out there against Michael Chandler, knock him out. You're, you're not only looking at possibly a UFC title shot, but of course you got Jake and and, and Nate, all, all that type stuff. But then like, Floyd Mayweather talked about he would love to see him and Connor do it again. So, like, I, I just if I'm Connor, yeah. I got to go out there and prove a point and go from there. Uh, one more quick item before we uh, talk about fights: Kamaru Usman wants Hamzat Chimaev. 
and he says, beat Hamzat and get the fourth fight against Leon. Um, I'm in. Let's do this. Sign the papers. You know, you know what's crazy? You, you remember you, you, you called this or you said, I would love to see Usman and, and Hamzat at 185. Now, I don't think Usman's going to go up to 185 because he, he specifically said 170. But I think, I think Hamzat would be down to go back down to 170 to fight Kamaru. Um, I, I, I know Kamaru is very motivated by after you know, losing the, to Leon and uh, he's lost to him twice and he wants to get back to that title. Uh, I think he sees the route to doing that is is to fight in Hamzat, which tells me that he's very motivated and that he's uh, he's locked back in. Not to say that he wasn't before, but uh, I think the hunger is definitely there again for Kamaru. But it's a very tough matchup to go out there and and, and beat a guy like Hamzat. He's he's asking for the scariest guy in the division. So the respect, I, I respect that for sure. Why in the name of God is one of the biggest stars in the sport, Hamza Chimaev, why does he not have a fight? Like, what is happening here? Well, it seems to me that he would have already had a fight if he, if he would have committed to fighting at 170. Now, it's, I guess the Uf, it's, it's in between him and the UFC. The UFC's telling him he needs to go up. Hamza seems like he doesn't really care. So... He was going to fight Kobe. It seems like the UFC and him agreed on him to move up to 185. So now the UFC is talking about Kobe getting a title shot out of nowhere. And Hamzat is supposed to be fighting at 185. But the question is, against who? It seems like it's going to be against Paulo Costa, but it's going to be in Abu Dhabi in October. I don't know why they need to wait that long for Hamzat to fight especially when there's International Fight Week coming up. There's so many pay-per-views where you could use Hamzat. Uh, yeah. um, I don't know why you have to wait so long, but um, yeah, especially with all these middleweight matchups that have been booked. Um, Rob uh, Whitaker has been booked. Duplessis has been booked. I mean, Duplessis has been booked. Vittori's been booked. Uh, Sean Strickland's been booked. Cannoneer's been booked. The only person that hasn't is Paulo Costa, which may, which leads me to believe that he's the one that's going to fight Hamza. Like, Hamzat's in the prime right now, right? Like, he is an absolute killer, and he hasn't been in the octagon since last September, which was the... How long did that fight last? Um, two minutes against Kevin Holland, just the absolute destruction of Kevin Holland in which Hamzat wasn't even touched. I mean, uh, so, that, I mean, that, you have to go back to April of last year before he was in a real fight, so it's been over a year and this guy, like, could be a two-division champ. Like, why is he not fighting? Why is he not out there? I have heard it suggested on, on Twitter that maybe he's enjoying the fame and the ride, and he's lost some of the the hunger, if you will. Uh, do you buy into any of that? No, because when I see him, when I see him talk, I, I feel like he's more locked in now. I feel like Kamzat really wants to fight. I think he wanted to um, not fight during Ramadan. Uh, now that that's over, I'm sure he's he's down to book a fight. But I know the UFC has this relationship with with uh, with uh, Fight Island. Where, where was Fight Island? Was that Abu Dhabi? Abu yeah, Dhabi. I was about to say Saudi Arabia. Yeah, Abu Dhabi. I know they got this relationship with Abu Dhabi. 
and they want to put guys like Islam, like Hamza, like Peter Jan on that card to um, to uh, you know please those fans. But just you know the 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 weight for me. I mean, especially it's it's just this is May. He could fight in May or June, and with how he fights win that and then be ready for Abu Dhabi in October. Like, why not? Um, I think that the intrigue behind Hamzat and his undefeated record and all the things he's done, I think the UFC thinks like we have to maximize this. So we're not going to risk it by putting him on, you know, a May June card. Yeah. Um, so I think they, I think they, they, they're going to try to get this fight with Paulo Costa having win that and then possibly at UFC 300 having fight Izzy. I think Izzy's going to be the main event of UFC 300 against Alex Pajeda or Hamza Chamaev. That's my official prediction. Or John Jones awesome. and Francis Ngannou. That would also be awesome. I'll, I'll take it. Like right now, sight unseen, I'll, I'll absolutely take it. All right, let's uh, let's quickly hit the main event of Saturday night's fight card before we make our picks for UFC 288. Song Yudong and Ricky Simone. This was a fight that we were both excited about. Death taxes and bantamweights, right? Um, I we both picked Ricky Simone in this fight. I felt like the five rounder was the difference maker for me in terms of making this pick with Ricky Simone's pressure and gas tank and ground game. I thought that would be the difference over five rounds. I thought in a three in a three round fight, I probably would have gone Song Yudong, as I said last week. Um, Song Yudong was terrific on Saturday night, and and for a guy that uh, you know has has kind of been all over the map, uh, really looks like he is putting it together against a a stylistically just tough matchup for everyone in Ricky Simone. Yeah, man, I, I I thought over the course of five rounds, the pressure would be suffocating. You know, you have to think after the um, Corey Sandhagen fight that that would be a, a problem area for him because Corey, for how good he is, he's not known as a wrestler. So the fact that he was able to get those, um, I thought would, you know, a guy like Ricky Simone being as accomplished as he is would be able to get him down more easily. But I think after watching that performance from Song Yudong, I, I think you know he just what he really wasn't expecting Corey Sanhagen to be to turn into a wrestler and to be that effective with it. Um, I think he he expected Ricky Simone to want to get this fight to the ground because Song Yudong is very dangerous, um, and it, it just seemed like he had been there before. It seemed like you know this was Ricky Simone's first main event, and it seemed like uh, Song Yudong knew what to expect. Uh, knew how to preserve his gas tank, knew when to go, when to uh, uh, throw his his best shots. And Ricky Simone just, you know, it just didn't seem like he really knew um, where to be his best. So, yeah, props to Ricky or props to Song Yudong, man. He really took it to him. Uh, by the way, I, I'm seeing this right now in real time. Uh, Alex Pereira and Israel Adesanya are tweeting at each other, and it seems like Alex Pereira is ready for another fight as uh, they keep debating who's better, and Pereira keeps throwing out the three-to-one. Izzy says quality over quantity. Uh, Alex Pereira, within the last uh, hour, Will, tweets, in kickboxing, it's impossible now to be better than me. In MMA, it's 1-1. Be real with your fans, and let's show the world who is better in MMA. 
You know, Israel does not want to fight Alex Pajeda. But he's so, I don't know if petty is the right word, but like he's trying to show respect to Alex Pajeda in some of his tweets. And then he kind of disrespects him in the same tweet. Like yeah. it, it's so weird. Yeah. And like Alex Pajeda is not going to acknowledge the respect that was given. He's going to see the disrespect that was given and he's going to say, well, bro, it's three, one. So like, you know, uh, so I think the, the window is, it's not closed. I mean, I know we've got this, we've got Whitaker and Duplessis who is going to fight in July. And Izzy said, he's ready to fight in eight weeks or whatever the case is. I don't know how long Pajeda needs to recover, but like if, if Izzy isn't careful, He's going to find himself fighting Alex Pajeda in August or September. I mean, he needs to, if if he does if he wants to be done with this, he needs to stop talking to Alex Pajeda right now because that's right. I know Pajeda's got two hundred five. Uh, he said he's going to move up, but the window isn't closed for him and Izzy. The fire that you are burning is the fire that will cut those pounds back to 185 again for Alex Pereira. Absolutely. <laughs> 1,000%. I mean, because look. And I'm after, here for it, baby. After the fight, I didn't like. I didn't see a, a, a huge desire from Alex Pereira to, to drop the weight again and fight Izzy right away. But Izzy's running his mouth, and I'm sure Alex is like, well, 205 is going to be there whenever I want to go up. Like... This fight is is still there. Like, there's still nobody for Izzy to fight. Like, <laughs> make it. Uh, please, please, please let that happen. I am. I am absolutely here for it. I couldn't breathe the last time they fought. I was holding my breath the entire time. Like, I, I don't even know how I would handle another one. But uh, it would be absolutely awesome. All right, back to what we were talking about. Um, Song Yudong was great. What is next for him in the bantamweight division? Because again, it's a top 10 that is absolutely loaded. And there's really like, you can't even make a big jump, even in a really impressive win over a guy like Ricky Simone, because of the names that are stockpiled in that top 10. Um, I know that he called out Peter Yawn, which I think is a great fight. It makes a ton of sense. Yeah. I think that Peter Yawn fight is the, is the way to go. I think both guys, they they're kind of meeting in that, in that, in that ranking of the top 10. Uh, Peter Yan has lost uh, a few in a row, but he's still a former champion and he's still very, very good. And Songi Dong is just rising up. And I think this is the, the time where they meet. Uh, it's a stylistically pleasing matchup for the fans, a stand up war. Um, and it, I know Peter Yan would love that fight because, you know, after having to deal with the likes of Aljo and Marab, he's going to really enjoy fighting a striker. And we know how how good the Peter Yan Sean O'Malley fight was. So. Uh, the fight with him and Songi Dong, similar in size, similar in speed, it, it would be very, very fun. All right, let's make some picks for UFC 288. Um, I was up by a point going into last week. Remind me which fight we were on the opposite side of. We weren't on the opposite side of any. We were we were same across the board? I, yeah, we were same across the board. I was going to go. Okay. I thought you were going to go with uh, Songi Dong, and I was going to go with Ricky Simone, but you went with okay, Ricky that's Simone. That's what it was. So. That's what it was. I thought that we were on the opposite side of one fight, and then I was trying to remember which one it was, but 
I kept thinking, well, I'm pretty sure we were on the same side of that one and that one and that one. So, okay. So <laughs> I have a one point lead going into UFC 288. Sir, one point lead. Okay. So I picked three fights. I think you will agree on the three fights on the prelims as I give these out. If you disagree, uh, on which ones we're picking, then, uh, then, then holler. But I think we would probably be in agreement that these are the three fights that, uh, we would both choose. Starting in the women's strawweight division, Marina Rodriguez and Verna Jandaroba. Oddshark.com has Marina Rodriguez as the minus 143 favorite, plus 123 for Jandaroba. Uh, this is Marina Rodriguez for me. I think this is a, a stylistic matchup that allows her to be herself, that allows her to thrive. I think this is going to be a fun fight. I just think Marina is better at, at doing what both of these two like to do. I still think she is in that elite group of fighters in this division, and I think this is her rebound fight. Marina Rodriguez in fight number one on this card. Yeah, this is Marina Rodriguez all day. Um, everything you just said, uh, this is a fight for her to rebound. Uh, everything that, that both women do, uh, Marina is just better. Um, she's, she's taller. She's more powerful. Marina's going to be tough. It, it, it may be tough to like take her out and finish her, but I think this is a decision all day, probably 30-27 or 29-28, but this is Marina Rodriguez all day. All right, fight number two on the prelims that I thought we would agree on. Light heavyweight division, Devin Clark and Kennedy in Zechiku, which I think is a really fun matchup. Oddshark.com has Kennedy and Zechiku as the minus 180 favorite, plus 155 for Devin Clark. Uh, Kennedy and Zechiku coming off that impressive win over Kudalaba. Um I think his length is going to be an issue here, uh, similar to what it was for Kudalaba. I, you know, Devin Clark is going to want to wrestle, want to get him to the mat, and I think Kennedy and Zechiku's length could give Devin Clark problems in terms of even getting to him uh, and getting those takedowns. So similar to the last fight, I think this works in Kennedy and Zechiku's favor. I will take the favorite, Kennedy and Zechiku. Yeah, you know, the... He's so long. His, his his length for the light heavyweight division is is crazy. Uh, I think he's got a longer reach than John Jones, which is which is crazy. But at eighty three inch reach, John Jones has a, John Jones is eighty four and a half, and Kennedy and Zetsku is only at eighty three. Like that's just crazy. But anyway, Kennedy, it to me it seemed like he he didn't really know how to exactly use his length. But I think we saw glimpses of that in the Kudalaba fight. And I think he's continuously getting better. Um, I think Devin Clark is going to run into some issues trying to get him down because we know what he wants to do. Um, so, yeah, this is Kennedy for me as well. Um, unless Devin Clark can can find a, a heavy shot, I just don't really see. And unless Kennedy overextends himself trying to knock out Devin Clark, I just don't see how uh, – Clark can really get this uh, under control. All right. And final prelim fight. I thought we would both agree on uh, lightweight feature prelim, Drew Dober and Matt Frivola, which is a really fun stylistic matchup as well. Drew Dober is the minus 210 favorite, plus 180 for Matt Frivola. Um, I, I just, Drew Dober is an absolute dog. Drew Dober is tough as nails, can take the best shots that anybody throws at him, has a head like a fire hydrant, um, has a good grappling game, not great, but I think good enough uh, 
to pair with, I think, the the just all-out brawl-type style that he likes in the stand-up. I think he will do enough to prevent Matt Frivola from uh, turning this into a, a grappling match. And, and as we know, Drew Dober uh, just likes to do nothing but uh, take shots and give out bigger ones. I'll take Drew Dober in this once again as uh, he's just been on an absolute tear. Yeah, you know, I think Matt Frivola has done a good job of um, separating himself from that Terrence McKinney seven-second loss. Um, he's he's looked great in his last few fights. Um, I think this is going to be a war. Um, I, I think I do think Matt Frivola is going to try to uh, trade with Drew Dober. I think he knows the um, the opportunity that he has in fighting a name like Drew Dober, who's been in and out of the rankings. Uh, I think there's going to be um, a back and forth war and whoever gets uh, their chin tested first is going to go down. But if, if, you know, Bob, the Bobby greens of the world and um, uh, shoot, I forget who else he fought. Uh, was it Hoffa Garcia? He fought in, which was a, yeah. a, a crazy fight. Yeah. If those guys couldn't take him out, and you know, I know Frivola is getting better. I know he's good, but if those guys couldn't crack his chin, I don't think Frivola can. So I'm going Drew Dober as well. Uh, Bobby Green, Rafael Alves, uh, Terrence McKinney, Alves. who had him shaky, right? That Brad Riddell fight. I mean, that was an absolute war. Uh, Riddell won that by decision, but I mean, hit Drew Dober with everything he had and and couldn't put him away. So, yeah. Uh, the guy's the guy's tough as nails. All right, UFC 288 main card on Saturday night starts us off in the featherweight division, uh, and probably will my toughest fight to pick on this entire card. Cron Gracie returning to the octagon for the first time since 2019, and uh, Charles Jordan. Oddshark.com has Charles Jordan as the minus 175 favorite, plus 150 for Cron Gracie. Um, I'm so torn on this because I feel like if you take all the elements of like not being gone for that amount of time and everything, my pick would be Cron Gracie. But when you haven't been in the octagon since 2019 and Charles Jordan is a, a very skilled striker, um, you know, I, I, I'm very concerned about this one. Uh, I've, I've really gone back and forth on this fight the last couple of days. Give me the underdog. Give me Cron Gracie making the return after four years and uh, getting the victory. Yeah, you know, this one's tough because, uh, like you said, Cron Gracie has been out for four years. But I feel like, you know, he's a Gracie, so you know what he's going to, what he's going to try to do. And most of the time, you can't really stop it. Uh, Cub Swanson was on a tear at the time he fought Cron Gracie. and it was a very entertaining fight. He stopped a lot of the uh, a lot of the things that Cron Gracie likes to do. Um, so my question my question is, how will the the how will the layoff affect him if he's going to go in there and do the 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 same thing he always does, which is try to get a submission? I like his chances, but then it's like if he can't get that first one and Charles Jordan starts to crack him. You know, how does he respond after so much time away? Yeah. Um, you know, Jordan has fallen on some tough times. Uh, you know, he had that win. Um, he had that uh, he had that win over Lando Venata. Then he fought Shane Burgos. 
close fight, close uh, fight when, yeah. which Burgos won. But then that Nathaniel Wood fight, uh, I thought that this was going to be another coming out party for him, and he just looked like he didn't have it. So in terms of the momentum, I kind of feel like neither guy really has it. But if I'm going off of what I'm more confident in at this point, it's the submission of a Gracie. So I'm going with Cron Gracie as well. All right, fight number two on the main card. Uh, unfortunately, Will is not Mavzar, Evloev, and Bryce Mitchell. Bryce Mitchell, uh, it sounds like being pulled from the fight. Uh, some reports that his skin looked really blotchy and bad um, hours after this ultimately happened. I've not seen any sort of official statement. Maybe you have in terms of like why this happened, but uh, Bryce Mitchell is out of this fight. Mavzar Evloev and Diego Lopez is now the fight at 145. Um, Oddshark.com has taken this off the board. Uh, I think it opened at Evloev minus 667 plus 400 for Diego Lopez, but Oddshark doesn't even have it on their board anymore. Um, this is Evloev all the way. For the record, I would have picked Evloev over Bryce Mitchell in this matchup. I thought it would have been really fun. Uh, but And kind of the the really big test for Evloev in terms of that next level. Unfortunately, we're not going to get this. I still think Evloev is a top 10 featherweight, uh, and I think he gets this one done. Yeah, um, of course the pick is Evloev. In terms of the Bryce Mitchell thing... Uh, I, you know, I, I've been watching Breaking Bad, so I haven't watched the Embedded, <laughs> but, <laughs> but like there's, I guess there's a, a, a part in the, in the first episode of the Embedded that showed Bryce Mitchell in the sauna or, or, or in the hot tub and his shoulder looked purple. Like it looked like there was something very, very wrong with his shoulder and it kind of looked like it was up in, in his neck area as well. Um, and and people were asking like, what the hell is wrong with Bryce Mitchell's shoulder? Like, why why does it look like that? So, um, I'm guessing that's why he was forced to uh, get pulled from the event. Um, I think I think after watching the Bryce Mitchell Taporia fight, that kind of told me a lot. Um, so I probably would have picked Evloev as well. I feel like Evloev, in terms of strength, is stronger than Taporia. And I think he probably would have had his way in the grappling exchanges, so I probably would have picked Evloev as well. But um, yeah, it sucks that we were gonna, that we're that we're not going to get yeah. to see that fight. But I think this is going to be a showcase of of just how good uh, Mozart Evloev is. Yeah, Evloev is really good. I, Bryce Mitchell, I I I just like the guy. Uh, you know, some of the goofy stuff he says, and like I just like the guy. So I'm I'm massively disappointed. I will say, like I think Evloev is really good. I think Taporia though is future champion good. So like it's hard for me to to like what he did to Bryce Mitchell was absolute destruction and I I don't know that that's easily duplicated by just anyone uh just f- from my standpoint in terms of like how good I think Ilya Taporia is. So uh Evloev uh over Diego Lopez across the board for us. As we head to the uh Female division, once again, Jessica Andrade and Jan Shaunan, which is another really fun fight. Uh, Jessica Andrade moving back down to straw weight, I believe, right? Uh, 115 yep. straw, yeah. Moving back down mm-hmm. to straw weight against Jan Shaunan. Uh, last time she fought at straw weight was the win over um, 
Oh, Amanda Limosh. Amanda Limosh. Um, this is. Oh, let me give you the odds. Um, Andrade minus two hundred plus one seventy for Jan Shalnon. I think Andrade is championship caliber at uh, at one fifteen. Um, I, I think Jan Shalnon is really good, but Jessica Andrade is an absolute unit in the in the uh, strawweight division. So this is one hundred percent for me, Jessica Andrade. Yeah, you know, I think that if it were me, I would have given Jessica Andrade a title shot had she not fought Aaron Blanchfield. I think um, Jessica Andrade and uh, Zhang Weili rematch uh, is a fight that should happen. Um, especially, we don't really know what Zhang Weili's next opponent is. I think it could possibly be Limos, but Andrade has a win over Limos. So, but yeah, I mean, the way that Jessica Andrade uh, fights Rose, she always fights Rose close. She's she's got a win over Rose. Um, she she fought Joanna uh, very close. Uh, she fought. Um, uh, she beat Lemos. So, like, I don't, you know, Yan Shanon has, has gotten a lot better over the course of her career, but I think just Jessica Andrade is so well-rounded, especially at 115, the strength, uh, the power, uh, the striking ability, the grappling. I, th- I just think Yan Shanon hasn't fought anyone like that. So uh, she's fast. She could maybe catch her, but outside of that, this is uh, Jessica Andrade. All right, now our co-main event in the welterweight division. I am beyond excited that these guys are both getting this opportunity. I am beyond excited that we just have top five welterweights matching up for crying out loud, because in that division, nobody seems to want to fight anybody. Bilal Muhammad and Gilbert Burns. And Will, I believe this is going to be a five-rounder, correct? Yes. So five-round fight for Gilbert Burns and Bilal Muhammad. Gilbert Burns is the minus-125 favorite, plus-105 for Bilal Muhammad. Originally, I thought this was going to be a three-round fight. Um, I would have said in that, this is easy, Gilbert Burns, to me. Bilal Muhammad's, I think, biggest strength against Gilbert Burns in in terms of how these guys match up is the pressure and gas tank, and maybe don't get that paying off in a three-round fight. I think that's much more likely to pay off in a five-round fight which I think makes this a much better fight than it would be, in my opinion, in a three-round fight. I still think it's Gilbert Burns for me. Uh, I just think he's better everywhere, quicker. Um, I think he's the better striker. I think he's more dangerous on the ground. The path for Bilal to me, though, is the pressure and just what that does to you when you get into the championship rounds. Um, Gilbert Burns is going to be my pick, but like I said, I, I would I would highlight the fourth and fifth rounds and, and see what Gilbert Burns still looks like at that point. If the fight is, is still going on at that point. Yeah, because um, that's a very good point because Gilbert has shown that he does, you know, kind of gas, um, especially in high pressure um, fights with, with a lot of pressure. Um, like we saw it uh, against Kamaru for sure. But um I think I would feel a lot differently about this fight had Bilal had a full camp. Uh, I think the the rounds four and five where he would shine. Uh, I'm not sure if he. I'm not sure if he has that in this. Um, I feel like with the with the weight cut, with the short notice, with you know him not really being having you know very 
fight specific preparation only for a couple of weeks. And then Gilbert's coming off of a fight uh, in fight shape, you know, just had a weight cut. So I'm sure the weight cut's not going to be too bad for him because he's not going to, you know, blow himself up to get back down. So um, I think that there's a lot of things that that's working in Gilbert Burns' favor. I think that Bilal's going to try to start fast because I, I, I just don't think that he has 25 minutes in him. And I, I might be completely off on that. But I just think 25 minutes when he was when when he's really not I'm not gonna say he hasn't been training, but he hasn't been fight training, if that makes sense. Fight camp, like so yeah, dedicated yeah. to one opponent type, yeah. Right, right, right. And I think the weight cut um is going to be substan not substantial, but it's going to be tough, uh, being that this was so short notice. So uh if, th- if had Bilal had a full camp, I probably would have went Bilal here, but I'm gonna go Gilbert with the unknowns. All right. And our main event takes us to the bantamweight division in which the strap is on the line. Aljamain Sterling and Henry Cejudo. I like this fight. I don't like it. Francis Ngannou surreal gone like it, but uh, I do like it. Sorry. I had to make the joke. Yeah. (laughs) Oddshark.com has, uh, this thing about as close as you can possibly get to a pick Henry Cejudo, minus 114. Aljamain Sterling, minus 106. I mean, razor thin in terms of which way uh, the betters are going. It opened up, actually, with Cejudo as the minus 132 favorite, plus 100 for Aljo. So uh, that suggests that money has come in on the Aljo side of things. Like, I, I just think that Aljo is going to be physically stronger in this fight. And I think that Aljo's just overall activity and how often he's been in the octagon and everything is the difference in this fight. I think it's going to be really good. I think Henry Cejudo is incredibly dangerous, but Aljo is a grappler. Uh, Aljo, I think is very strong for this division. And I think that again, Aljo's just been active and uh, inside the octagon and used to to com- defending this belt at this point, um, give me Aljamain Sterling to defend this title against Henry Cejudo and stake his claim, Will, as arguably the greatest bantamweight champion of all time. Yeah, you know, uh, I think um, a couple of things that are working in, in Henry's favor in this fight are his fight IQ and his just the fact that he's been in such high pressure situations throughout his entire combat sports career, like being in the Olympics, fighting Demetrius Johnson, beating Demetrius Johnson, um, fighting TJ Dillashaw on the first ESPN card for, for the UFC. Like Henry Cejudo has been in a lot of high pressure situations and come out on top. Uh, but I think that this is a tall task for him, figuratively and literally. I think Aljo is a different type of fighter that he's than what Henry has seen. He's 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 big for the 135 division. It seems like Aljo's getting bigger. <laughs> um, he he looked massive against TJ, but uh, I think uh, Aljo's bigger, longer. Um, he's he's been in high pressure fights uh so this isn't i'm not gonna say this is going to be 
um, brand new to him because this is his first main event. But he's he's had pressure situations that that second Peter Yan fight was yeah. about as high pressure as you're going to get after how he won the title. For, and he performed very well. So um, I just think I think the thing that tips the scales for me in Aljo's favor is the, the layout for Henry. Um, three years off. Um, I just don't know if you take three years off and then come back the same guy or a guy who can beat a guy like Aljamain Sterling. So uh, my pick's going to be with with Aljo. I think he's coming into his own. He's 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 in his fighting prime. Um, I think he smothers him early. I, I think he doesn't let Henry get his feet under him. And uh, I think he takes I think he just takes the the confidence out of Henry early on. And then um, I think. I'm not going to say Aljo cruises, but I just think it's going to be very tough for Henry uh, to get to get a win uh, on Saturday. So my pick's going to be with my guy Aljo, and it's going to be tough to deny him after he's going to have TJ Dillashaw on his resume. He's going to have Peter Yan on his resume. He's going to have Henry Cejudo on his resume. Um, he says he wants to fight Sean O'Malley again, or I mean he wants to add Sean O'Malley's name and then go up. Uh, I think that's I think that's great. So um, I think, you know, Cruz is probably still the bantamweight goat and TJ's right there behind him. But I think uh, if Aljo beats Henry, he's right there in that discussion. He's got to be. And I, correct me if I'm wrong, but nobody has defended the belt three consecutive times in that division, right? Three consecutive times. How many times? Well, we're not counting the WEC. If it's just the UFC, then yes. Right. Uh, Dominic Cruz is, hasn't. He never defended it over three times. Neither did TJ. Yeah. So anyway, it's uh, let the bit debate begin. I guess if uh, if Aljo gets this done, should be a fun fight. But uh, I think you were spot on in all of your analysis there. All right, my friend. Same across the board. Eight for eight. Uh, sometimes we are, we are too like-minded, so, uh, no points up for grabs this week, but, uh, a lot of fun fights to watch. Yeah. You know, you just, sometimes you got to know when to slide in and, and, and take a chance. And sometimes you just got to know when to you know back off and just chill. So, um, I thought about taking Charles Jordan in the, in the, in that Gracie fight, but, yeah. uh, I, I wasn't confident in it. So Yeah. I wasn't confident in taking Cron Gracie for that matter. So I, I hear you, man. That was that was by <laughs> far the toughest pick to make. And, uh, I, you know, somebody might be saying, well, you're not taking Cejudo because of the layoff, but you are taking Cron Gracie after a layoff. It's different. The, the only difference there is Cron Gracie is not facing the bantamweight champion, right? Like he's facing a guy that is that has been struggling, who is really talented, but has been struggling on his own. Henry Cejudo has a layoff and he's about to face the champ. So that's... Just in case somebody's like, why would you not use that same logic? That's that's why. Um, yeah, layoff against a guy that is uh, right now looking really, really good at bantamweight. That's that's a very, very big ask for Henry Cejudo. So should be a fun fight card, my friend. Uh, always good to catch up, and we'll do it again next week. Yes, sir. Next week. All right, my brother. Have a good one.
podcast is over.